Hey people, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales coach and consultant who works with coaches, business owners, and people in the world of sales who want to become more comfortable and confident in selling in their own natural human way. If you're enjoying the podcast episodes and would like to access some great free resources linked to the podcast series through the monthly newsletter, which also includes podcast extracts and news on upcoming masterminds, live streams and events, then you can email me chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com. That's chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com and quote, let's do this. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organization that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognized coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now, on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by founder of The Sound Agency, five times TED speaker with over 40 million views, author and keynote speaker, Julian Treasure. And Julian and I are going to be talking all about the best way to connect with people is to listen. We're going to start by sharing some insights into what we mean by conscious listening, why it's so important when it comes to selling, and how you can become more effective at consciously listening to your customers and your colleagues. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Julian, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Thank you for coming on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Well, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to having a good chat with you about listening. I always love doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we start, Julian, for those people that uh, may be hiding under a rock or not familiar with um, what you do, it'd be great to give them a bit of an insight into who you are, first of all. Sure. Well, I've got a long career in marketing. Uh, I started and ran a custom publishing contract magazine publishing house in the UK uh, sold that in the early part of this century and started a new company which is called the sound agency that's because I've been a musician all my life so uh, I really became very conscious of the fact the world doesn't sound very good and the sound agency was founded on the premise that good sound is good business so we we go around answering the question to brands how does your brand sound a lot of them hadn't thought about that then. It's now becoming, you know, much more, it's almost difficult to think about a sonic logo and the, the kind of music and voices you associate with your brand and so forth, how your spaces sound. And we, we particularly work in shopping malls and airports and things like that, you know, trying to make those spaces much more pleasant, which actually often means removing music, funnily enough, even though I am a musician, uh, music is, is severely badly deployed in many, many places. Um, yeah. So that's what the sound agency does. It's been going for 15 years now, and it's growing very fast and doing work all over the world. Um, along the way, I got the chance to start doing some 
well, I did a first TED talk in 2009 about the way sound affects people. And that kind of started me on an inquiry, really, which was much more about personal sound. So it occurred to me, it's not just brands that are making unconscious noise and making the world sound bad. It's all of us, actually. We're not very conscious of the sound we make or the, con- or, or the sound we consume. Uh, listening isn't taught in schools. Speaking is barely taught in schools. We teach reading and writing till the cows come home, but not speaking and listening. So the TED Talk started moving in that direction. I did one about sound and health, then one about conscious listening, then one about the spaces we design and the fact that architects design entirely for the eyes and forget to design for the ears. And then the last one, so I've had the honor of doing five TED Talks. Um, The last one was about how to speak so that people want to listen. So it was about the human voice and how important that is. And that one's gone completely ballistic. It's in the top 10 of all time uh, with, I don't know, over 30 million views the last time I looked, which is incredible. So the interesting thing to me about that, and we can talk about this maybe, is that the talk about talking has something like five or six times as many views as the talk about listening. And therein hangs a tale, I feel. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for the overview there. And it, it kind of ties in nicely to what we're talking about today, really. And you've mentioned a couple of points there, which when I you know, first came across your TED Talk a couple of years ago now, and then I've been following you ever since, that I've always been quite fascinated with, with what you've talked about, both from both angles of talking and listening. And I think when we think about these days with people wanting to connect to each other and build relationships, both online and offline, we often think it's about what we say and, and what we ask, but not so much emphasis on how we listen to each other, as, as mm. you mentioned there. And there's a a sense that I think listening is taken for granted sometimes, as you said as well. It's something that you aren't necessarily taught. It's You're just assumed. It's a bit like, you know, this is a completely different route, but learning. You're never actually taught how to learn something. You're just taught to learn it. Um, and one of the things you mentioned there as well around your TED Talk was around this, we need to be more effective at consciously listening to each other. Can you just expand on, on, on what you mean by that? Yeah, the the central thesis that I've settled on actually um since the last ted talk really and this is the the core of my book um how to be heard it's what what it's all about is that speaking and listening are not a linear process it's not i speak you listen a straight line they're actually a circular process they affect affect each other it's a it's a spiral conversation uh, so the way i speak affects the way you listen the way you listen affects the way i speak uh, they are intimately related So if you want to be a powerful speaker and change people around you, inspire, lead, transform, uh, and and enroll people in new ideas and build teams and, you know, make things happen, it's really important to be a good listener as well. And that's why it's so tragic that listening is not taught at all in school. Uh, Listening is an enormously important skill, and it is a skill. It's taken for granted. You used those words earlier, and you're absolutely right. We, we kind of uh, put it at the same level as hearing. It's not. Hearing is natural. It's a physical process initially where sound makes your eardrums vibrate. I mean, it is miraculous. And then three tiny little bones vibrating thousands of times a second transfer those vibrations into your inner ear where fluid vibrates, tiny hairs pick them up. That's translated into electrical activity in your brain. Well, that is 
quite miraculous, but it is automatic. You don't have to make an effort to hear what's going on around you. You do it. Even while you're asleep, your ears are working. It's your primary warning sense hearing. So it's a very deep sense, and yet it and, and you're attuned to it, and yet it's completely automatic. You do not have to work at it. Listening is completely different. Listening is a process where, first of all, you select certain things to pay attention to. You hear everything. You listen to only some parts of it. So automatically, you're kind of selecting your reality, if you like. And then the second stage is that you make it mean something. So you select and then you make it mean. My general definition of listening is making meaning from sound. And now that is a, is a, it's, it's an activity and it's a skill and you can get better at it. And the most important thing to realize about listening for anybody listening to this who perhaps haven't, hasn't um, spent a long time considering this very interesting skill is that every human being's listening is unique. Yours is different from mine. You listening to this, your listening is different to Chris's and it's different to mine. Why? Because we all listen through a set of filters and those filters are things that we accumulate through our life. We're born into a culture. We speak a language. We learn and speak a language. Now, that automatically affects your listening. You know, if you're living in the uh, Inuit communities, you have, I can't remember how many words they've got for snow. I did look this up for my book, but it is dozens and dozens and dozens of words for snow. So your listening for snow is completely different from us, the word snow. Some languages on this planet have no words for tomorrow or yesterday. There's no sense of time in them. Everything's today. So language can change your, your listening enormously. Um, you know, you've got tonal languages like uh, you know, Chinese tonal languages where the way you say a word, it's the same word, the way you say it completely changes its meaning. So again, their way of inflecting is completely different from us. Um, so listening is unique for that reason. Then you gather values, attitudes, beliefs along the way from your parents, your teachers, your friends, your role models. Uh, you may have in any given situation expectations, intentions, emotions going on. All of these things give you a unique listening here and now at this very moment. And that's partly individual. It's partly compound. You know, if I walk on stage and I'm giving a speech to a thousand people, there is a listening in the room, which is the compound of all those people's individual listenings. And also maybe anything they know about me, they might have, I might've created a listening for myself. You know, um, if I'm a late person, people will start to listen to me as late and they'll go, Oh, tell, tell Julian it's 10 minutes early is always late. So we create a listening for ourselves and there's this listening out there. So that it creates a really important realization, actually, for anybody listening to this who wants to speak powerfully and influence people, which I imagine most of you do. You're selling, you're selling you know, uh, you, want to, you want to have a good outcome. You always speak into a listening. Uh, that is as important as remembering that everybody's listening is unique. Because when you put those two things together, you need to start asking yourself an absolutely crucial question. What's the listening? I'm speaking into what's the listening in a, any, any individual conversation in a group, in a presentation, standing on stage in a large room. What's the listening? What's the listening? Because it will be different. And it is a grave mistake to assume everybody listens like I do. If you do that, you're going to miss the target 
about half the time, if not much more, because many people will be listening in different ways. They've, you know, they've had a bad day. They just had an argument with their partner. Um, you know, somebody just died or they've just had a tremendous piece of good news. You know, that anything could have happened just before your communication with them. And it's really important to pick up how they are in the short term. And also as a person, you know, some people like you to be jovial. Other people like you to be extremely serious. And it's Mr. Smith or other people, it's Jack. Uh, you know, you have to pick these things up very, very quickly from people. And in my time i mean i've done a lot of selling in my time i would say all the best salesmen that or sales people sorry should never say that all the best sales people i've ever come across uh, in my life have been great listeners i think listening is the most important part of the sales conversation mm. yeah absolutely i think and you know to add to that as well from a, from a sales aspect so many people are so focused on jumping into getting into their pitch and telling people what amazing things they can do but they don't spend enough time actually looking to understand they sometimes just question to ask rather than question to understand the other individual because they're almost seeing it as you said at the start you're going to talk i'm going to listen then i'm going to talk and you're going to talk and i'm going to talk rather than actually seeing the value from just sitting there and absorbing what that person is saying to then help you kind of determine what part you take what narrative you dictate from there well absolutely and i'm assuming most of you out there are selling things you believe in i mean it's a short uh, life selling something that's rubbish so if you're selling something you believe in you're actually doing people a good service as long as you establish a need and uh, i've always found in my life with selling uh, it you know it's very often the the most powerful thing you can do to somebody uh, in order to create a, a good relationship and long-term prospects is to say to them you know what this isn't right for you right now uh, you know it's not sell it at all costs uh, it's listen to the person, understand. And listening always creates understanding. And if you understand somebody and you 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 tease out their needs and their, their what's the pain, what what's the problem that we can help you with? How can we solve this problem together with this thing that I've got? Oh, wow, look, you've got that problem. I've got this thing. Brilliant. Um, then you're actually in business, in the business of helping people. Uh, and that is a very powerful way to sell. I mean, it's the way I was always trained to sell. I mean, I started off trained on a thing called DIPIDA, which is one of the old publishing acronyms, define, identify, prove, uh, <coughs> uh, C-A-D-A, uh, agree, agree, desire, action. That's right. So um, that's, that's many years ago, I can tell you. Uh, but it, it was that process of, of establishing the the need first of all before you just pile in and start saying i've got this thing and mm. yeah what so uh you always need to understand you know what's the so what why is this important to them what is it going to solve in their life what's it going to make easier and that comes from listening do you know what i mean most people are very very happy to talk about themselves if you give them an opportunity and you you genuinely are interested, it's not just a cliche um, or a trick, but you sit there and you say, tell me about it. Really? Oh, no. Uh, then people get engaged and they, they like sharing their, their problems and uh, what's going on for them and so forth. And uh, if you do that, if you listen well, then you establish rapport, you establish a relationship and a basis. It's like a foundation for being able to help them by selling them what you've got to give as long as it's appropriate for them and it gives them what they need that's that's going to work really well and you'll be able to go back next time and the time after 
because you've established a trusting relationship. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned it earlier on as well around it just gives you some great insights into that person of, of looking to, that you're looking to connect with. Because if you are listening consciously, then you can get an idea of their personality, how they're coming across. And even though someone might be in this, again, what you were talking about earlier, the difference between hearing and listening, if you're just hearing something, it might just be like a yes or a no. But if you're listening to that person, you might be able to sense some pain behind that or some deeper meaning or something that, you know, they might have said something, but there's something behind that you just need to understand a bit more. And sometimes those people don't even understand that themselves. So if you're able to identify that, then you're able to ask the right kind of questions to unearth that pain or that gain that we talked about. Definitely. I talk about in my book, I talk about the four C's of listening, which are commitment. First of all, that takes understanding that you're doing something and committing yourself to doing it properly. You know, Scott Peck, uh, the American author, said, you cannot truly listen to someone and do anything else at the same time. So, you know, listening while you're typing or uh, looking around and thinking about what you're going to have for lunch or whatever, that's not really listening. And there are a lot of people on this planet who've never had the experience of being really listened to by somebody. It's a great Mm. gift. And it's a, a, tr- a tremendous thing to develop if you're in the sales profession. So that's commitment. Consciousness is the second C. That's actually being aware that you're selecting things and you're making them mean things. So doing that consciously means you can select appropriate things and make them mean useful things. Compassion, that's really important. And I would say in a, in a, a good salesperson, some compassion for the person you're selling to is a mighty weapon. Uh, again, I'm not talking about boiler room sales where you're banging out rubbish and ripping people off. I mean, that you can't have compassion in that situation. But for anybody who's selling something useful, something that actually does a, a service, compassion is tremendous. And then curiosity, which is probably the most wonderful thing to have if you're a salesperson. You pick up the phone and talk to another human being, being curious about, oh, really? Tell me about that. Yeah, give it, tell me more. You know, that kind of actual curiosity, that's a tremendous way of building a relationship. And also, you know, being aware, what might I learn here? What what could I possibly learn here that could be interesting? Uh, there was a phrase from a trainer I worked with once, which was he talked about being ferociously curious. And I think that's a tremendous phrase. But unfortunately, the, the whole of the world around us is working against becoming good listeners and that's yeah. why i think you know anybody who's selling needs to think about this seriously and actually train in listening uh, develop this skill we've got all sorts of things that are attacking our listening i talk about you know we're losing our listening um technology apart from anything else you know the sort of multi-channel lots of stuff happening everything are always on email coming at us Uh, being obsessed with social media, lots of eyes and fingers uh, being deployed to communicate. Um, Noise is around us in cities particularly a lot. So we get get, um, numb to the sound around us and we start to suppress it and ignore it. Uh, Polarization is happening. You know, we've got stuff happening in politics all over the world, which is quite deeply depressing, which is so much about speaking and not about listening at all. Politicians go off to have talks. I wish they'd go off and have listens. I think the world would be a much better place if they did that. Uh, We've got, you know, post-truth politics. We've got um, all sorts of um, strange 
words coming into the language like i misspoke which means i lied uh you know those this kind of um doubling up and um uh, the, the the language becomes complex convoluted and not straight at all and in that situation again we start zoning out we stop believing people it seems listening isn't worth it uh, there's all sorts of things going on which mean that our listening gets challenged. I think Microsoft did some research a few years ago, which showed the average human attention span is now down to eight seconds, which is one second less than that of a goldfish. That's a bit concerning. Yes. So, you know, if you want to sell, then developing listening, it's it's like working on a muscle that's almost atrophied. You know, you have to take care of it and start doing exercises and and work on ways of improving your listening. Because if you can be a great listener, you'll be head and shoulders above ninety percent of the people out there who are doing the same job. Mm. And and on that, then Julian, what would you say for for people listening? And it's not something obviously necessarily you can just flick a switch and you'll become more effective at it. But some of the things that people can do to be, to start becoming more effective and focusing on how they're listening consciously. Well, I do think the first. And most important thing is to shine the light of consciousness on this, to become conscious that you're doing something. And so everybody listening to this is now conscious that listening is a skill. It's a, it's an activity. It's a thing you're doing. Just hold on to that because that really opens the door to the whole thing. Uh, if you're talking about <clears throat> exercises to do on listening, yes, I can recommend several. Um, I've got seven in the book, actually. There's, I think only five in the TED talk and I've enhanced it a bit since then. Um, first I'd say silence, getting a few moments of silence every day, like two or three minutes. If you can't get total silence, then a very quiet room will do and just sit. Some people find that quite threatening, you know, uh, because you're just there with yourself and your thoughts. You try to let the thoughts go almost meditate, but certainly sit and be quiet it recalibrates your ears to do that. And then you can listen much more acutely afterwards. The, the world is very noisy. It's cacophonous a lot of the time. And it's great to take a break. The second exercise I would suggest I call the mixer. And that is a practice which you can adopt as you go around anywhere in a city or in the country of disentangling the sounds around you and saying, what, how many individual sounds am I listening to? That's why I call it the mixer. It's like a, an engineer in a recording studio with lots and lots of tracks in front of you on the, one of those big mixing desks. And you're bringing up one fader at a time in your consciousness. And so, so in a busy cafe, you know, how many people can you hear? How many baristas banging? How much terrible music from a crappy sound system up there somewhere on top of all the other noise? You know, what is this cacophony made up of? It's not just a mush. Uh, so that's a very good exercise for getting your listening more acute. Then there's an exercise I call savoring, which is paying attention to it. It's a little bit like tasting sound. Uh, just in the same way as you taste your food, you don't just shovel it in and ignore it. So with sound, it's a very good practice to go around tasting it and actually savoring the sounds. And you might find sounds around you in your house, which you had not noticed before. Some of them might be pleasant. Some of them might be actually irritating. You know, that thing has been buzzing in that corner for five years and I've never noticed it. Well, that buzz, you may not notice it consciously, but it has an effect on you. So it may be worth fixing. 
so savoring you can you, and you will bump into all sorts of lovely sounds as well so it's it's well worth doing and it allows you to start curating your own relationship with sound and making the sound around you more pleasant and more healthy and a couple that i didn't mention in the ted talk uh, there's one i call listening with uh, which is a practice of going through three stages of listening first with the ears that's obvious we listen with our ears don't we well actually you listen with your whole body dame evelyn glenny who i've had the honor of meeting um, and interviewing for my book um she's amazing world-renowned percussionist plays with symphony orchestras all over the world and she's profoundly deaf and she learned at a very early age to hear with her whole body she senses sound with every cell uh, we all do that actually it's just we're not very conscious of it because the ears are so uh, powerful in the hearing mechanism um so yeah hearing with your ears first of all uh then with your eyes as we listen with our eyes as well when we're looking at somebody and we're picking up all sorts of micro signals which are helping us to listen and understand more acutely and thirdly with your heart now this is a really good exercise to do if you're listening to somebody you can do it in a pair it's great fun to do it in a couple one person starts talking the other person looks down and just listens with the ears and then at some point in agreed time you look up and you start listening with your eyes as well and then at some point you open your heart and go and empathize with that person and it makes all the difference in the world. As I said, we speak into a listening, and when somebody opens up like that, it makes the speaking so much easier. So sometimes you're speaking kind of uphill against the wind uh, with somebody who's not really paying attention or engaged. Other times you're with somebody who's absolutely hanging on every word and it becomes so easy. Uh, so ears, eyes, and heart. Then the fifth exercise I would suggest is listening from and this one i did talk about a little bit in the ted talk it's listening positions listening from a place like you could listen from being critical or you could listen from being empathetic or you could listen from being uh, listen from a place called active listening now this actually is a really good one if you're working in customer service for example and you deal with a lot of people who are complaining because active listening involves oh okay what I hear you say is that you repeat back exactly what somebody said. And it is an amazing exercise for reducing upset. You'll find people start, you know, they come on, they're shouting and you hear you, you, know, you say, OK, I hear that you're really upset because we let you down and didn't deliver this thing that was absolutely crucial. Is that right? Yes. And this happened. This happened. OK, so then this happened, this happened. And by the time you've done this for you know a minute or two the person has calmed right down because they are feeling heard yeah. and that makes a massive difference they know they're heard because you've repeated back to them what they said now you can't do it all the time you wouldn't have many friends if you went around doing this in conversation everywhere but for that kind of application it is tremendously powerful especially if you start to validate i mean it's said in human relationships we want three things to be heard understood and valued now if you validate as well and you can say well look i can really see why you're feeling upset because this this happened and then you say that happened and then this happened i mean i totally get that that would be very upsetting 
the person then is going, well, yeah, okay, yes. So do you think there's anything that we can do? So you're into a conversation about what to do now, as opposed to uh, what I often get with customer service departments when I phone up and I'm upset about something, um, which is uh, just, well, we're terribly sorry and we're going to give you some tiny token as if they hadn't heard. And I'm saying, well, look, hang on. This probably happens to a lot of people. Is there any process where you're going to change your systems as a result of this? I'm sorry, I'm not authorized to do that. Great. So, you know, it's a dead end. It was pointless. And I've just got sort of five pounds of compensation for an hour on the phone and a lot of irate feelings. Uh, so that didn't work too well. Um, so that's listening from. It can be enormously powerful. It's kind of playing with your filters, you know, becoming conscious of your filters and, and changing them. Uh, then exercise number six of the seven, listening for. Now, that's quite like critical listening, but it's active and you you vary it. So you might be listening for, I don't know, affirmation or encouragement in a conversation. You might be listening for crucial information. You might be listening for what have we got in common and where can I build some um, some empathy with this person um, and some rapport. You might be listening for inspiration. If it's a boss talking to you, you might be listening for ways you can help somebody and noting them down. Okay, one, two, oh yeah, this and this. So when you're keenly aware, it's like a miner going in and, and you know, looking for a particular thing. That's a very powerful way to listen as well. Can be a little bit dismissive if you're doing it um, with and, and just discarding other stuff that might be important to the other person. So you need to be careful to do it that way uh, with empathy. And the final practice for great listening in conversation particularly is the little acronym that I came up with. RASA uh, stands for Receive, Appreciate, Summarize, Ask. <clears throat> receive is paying attention. Um, so if you're on the phone, you need to be doing little, you know, affirmative noises. Mm, oh, oh yeah. Mm, because otherwise the person won't know you're even there. Uh, if it's face to face, you're leaning forward, you actually look at the speaker. You know, the dance of eyes is very important in certainly in Western cultures. Typically, when you're speaking, you'll be looking around and just checking back from time to time to make sure the person is listening. When you're listening, it's normal to look at the person who's speaking 100% of the time or almost 100% of the time. And if you're looking down or doodling with your phone or evidently you know, engaged in some other thinking activity, it's pretty upsetting to us. You know, are you listening to me? Yeah. So try to receive. The A is for appreciate, and that's that is the the sort of nods and affirmations that you can give. Uh, so you're not just looking at somebody, but your facial expression is with them. Uh, most of you listening to this probably know about mirroring and matching, <clears throat> which are great ways to build rapport. <clears throat> Excuse me, great ways to build rapport with somebody. So. You know, if they're nodding a lot, you can nod a lot. If they, uh, uh, you know, are sitting in a certain way, you can mirror that posture. It, it should be done. I mean, actually, this happens automatically. If you've ever seen video of two people talking, they match and mirror all the time. It's what we do as human beings. Uh, 
be careful not to do it in a kludgy way because it looks very artificial and clunky if you, you know, they cross their arms and you immediately cross your arms. But being aware of whether the person is fast or slow, um, you know, whether they're lively and energetic and and full of um, gestures and, and, and movement or whether they're very calm and reserved and they prefer, a, a, you know, a more um, controlled kind of dialogue, that is important. So appreciate uh, is also a rapport building thing. Summarize the word so. I actually want to form a society for the pr protection of this little word, which has been grossly abused, um, started with our American friends, and now it's global. Um, so means this, then that. <clears throat> There's a logical flow there. Uh, yeah, I did this, so you can do that. I now have conversations with people where, you know, what's your name? So I'm John. No, I don't see the logical flow there. You're not John yeah. because I just asked you. Uh, or even with TED Talks now, you get people walking on the TED stage and the first word of a TED Talk is, so, well, so what? What happened? What just happened? Did I miss something? You know, it, it's become a throwaway word. And unfortunately, um, that's removing its power. It is a very powerful word. You know, a, a sales conversation, if you think of it like a corridor, it's great to be able to close doors behind you as you walk down the corridor with somebody. And that's what the word so can do. You can summarize. So what, what we've got to is that you've got this thing and you're needing something that will do that. Is that right? Yeah. Clunk. Door shut behind you. So is a wonderful way of summarizing something and agreeing, getting a, an agreement at each stage of a conversation, whether you're in a business meeting with a group of people or in a one-to-one -one sales conversation or whatever it may be. So we've agreed this. Now we can move on to that. If you don't have a so person in a meeting, it can be a very, very long meeting. It's what they say. Meetings are where you take minutes and waste hours. So that's uh, the word so. Um, and then the final A of Rasa is ask asking questions questions throughout open questions why what how which when who uh, and showing interest and um ideally i don't know if you've come across a concept um called clean language it's important to be conscious of the kind of question you're asking um where a clean question would be what did you have for breakfast a directed question would be did you have the eggs for breakfast or the fruit? Now, in selling, quite a lot of the time, we want to use directed language. So an alternative close would be very directed. Um, many of the closes, many of the different closes would be uh, kind of directed language. So it's good to be conscious. Sometimes you want to ask open questions just to find out what, what is going on. This person, how did you feel about that? It's an open question. Um, Saying to somebody, well, that must have been upsetting. That's not an open question. That's directed. So there's a difference in, in the language. And, and if we become conscious of the language we're using, it's, again, quite powerful. So there you've got seven exercises which can help improve anybody's listening. Uh, they don't cost anything. You can do them quietly without telling anybody, almost all of them. And they're really powerful and effective if you take them on and do them on a daily basis you will find your listening improves and so will your results great well thank you for, for all of those i've definitely got a few that i'm going to try personally from that and I, uh, just a couple of things that you you mentioned as well particularly the the s and the a of summarizing and asking 
about these questions. I think what's very important as well as summarizing is, is checkpointing. And you alluded to it there is, uh, what, what I mean by checkpointing is when you finish speaking is inviting someone into the conversation to get their initial thoughts on it. And this is also a great way to sense check whether they've been listening to what you've been talking about as well. So it might be like, how does that sound? Or what are your thoughts on that? Or does that make sense? And Definitely. it's a great way to to show empathy because you're looking to not just speak at someone, you're asking them to say, okay, what did you just think of what I've said there? And you, it's a great way to gauge as well if someone has either not been listening or has misunderstood something, that you might need to go back on it rather than just going on to the next point. Absolutely, because otherwise you're laying on unsure foundations. Mm. And if I just could say one more thing about silence, that is an enormously powerful tool to use in conversation, particularly in a sales conversation. Um, I, I worked with a consultancy some time back and they had a, a six-step process, they called it. Um, they got to what they called an open. It wasn't a close, it was an open, where you would have... Uh, Ask them what they know about what what are your goals? You you understand what they want and what are your immediate objectives? What what are the needs right now? Okay, what do you know about us? So it's all question, question, question. And then you tell them the tailored version, exactly tailored version about us. You know, not everything. They want don't want to know everything, but the bit that's relevant to what they've just been through. And then describe the solution and stop. And the power of silence is enormous. You just sit. And what will happen? The next question that comes back will almost inevitably be, so how much does that cost? Or how how does that work exactly? It'll be a buying question. It'll be a, a question which is about the thing you've just described and how it would work in practice and what's the next step and how do we move on? That's why they call it an open, not a close. It opens up the uh, the whole conversation to uh, the other person to for them to ask the questions they want to ask. But it does take guts to stop and say nothing. Yeah, and I think salespeople, as you know, having worked in sales all my career as well, it's something we feel very natural, particularly on the phone, to want to to fill a lot of the time. And as you say, it's. Silence is great for that, but it's also great to be able to sense that, for example, any objections that come out, people are so easy, so quick to jump on these things, whereas silence sometimes will will help you in a way that the person might just be speaking out loud or they might need to finish their sentence, whereas we're so keen to jump in on those situations sometimes that, again, we might assume something that's incorrect. And also, as you said earlier, it's showing that we're not actually listening to them. We're just assuming what we think they're going to say and that we've heard it many times before. But for them, they just want to be heard about this is their, their fear and this is what they want to get sorted before they can move forwards. Yes, definitely. Assumptions can be very dangerous. It's um, it, In the book, I talk about the agents of miscommunication and assumptions is the A of agents. As you mm. tell, I like acronyms quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, well, they're, they're great to remember. And, and I think as well for your the part when you mentioned listening from and listening for i think for for coaches and managers and people listening to this from a from that, from that kind of position it's very important to be able to do this because you're not just obviously you mentioned the customer service example area of showing to someone that you understand them and relaying it back but with the listening from and for part you can also then help people unclutter 
maybe yeah. they don't understand and you can give it back to them and you know what i'm noticing from what you've said there or would i be right in thinking this it can make people realize oh yeah that's exactly it i just didn't know how to put it but you've mm. from listening to someone you've actually been able to unclutter their mind and kind of translate it into something that they can understand and that's what is so powerful about coaching sometimes is that it is all about the listening it is all about understanding someone and then sometimes it's taking all of that that the jigsaw pieces and just giving them back the jigsaw and saying is this what you mean by that i think the s so well, the s actually stands for summarize it doesn't stand for so in rasa and the summarizing is uh, an unbelievably important and powerful part of any sales or inspiring conversation uh, where you're able to as you say listen to somebody who may not have structured their thought and you've heard it a hundred times because you have this call with people who've got this problem so your problem is this. Yes, yes, that's it exactly. So somehow you've managed to crystallize the whole thing and put it in front of them. And now you're sitting and looking at it on the table in front of both of you. What are we going to do about that? Well, I've got a thing, amazingly. So, uh, yes, summarizing is really fundamental to any good, uh, I think, effective conversation of that type. Mm, absolutely. And over your career so far Julian and you, you talked about this at the start it's been you know you've had a lot going on already what do you think you've learned most about yourself through this experience whether it's been through the TED talks or your own business or even back in the early days of, of marketing I think um, I love communicating and um, I love listening uh, this was sort of inert for a long time. I mean, I'm a, I was a musician. I, am, I still am a musician. Uh, you know, I played drums in bands, made records and so forth. And um, if you're a musician, you have to listen in a slightly different way to a musician. Uh, you have to be listening to everybody at the same time in the band or the orchestra, because otherwise you're not playing very well. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of multi-track listening. And I always knew that I was intensely happy on stage doing that. And that there was something going on when I was walking around and this cacophony was around me and I wasn't paying attention to it. So that there was this kind of disconnect. And uh, it, it made me very happy to connect up the dots and understand that listening is absolutely fundamental. I mean, I kind of live to listen, uh, which is a bit more than I can ask of anybody else. But I do think that you need to listen consciously in order to live fully. I think listening consciously is a really important part of existence. And it all comes down... I suppose, fundamentally to kind of awareness, consciousness, mindfulness. Um, if you want to get spiritual about it, being conscious is really important. A lot of people walk around in a, in a bit of a daze with half their senses switched off. And I think it's a wonderful thing to reconnect and suddenly go, whoa, I've got this whole amazing sense listening. I can listen. And it's like turning up the color when everything's been in black and white up to this point. It is fantastic so i think what i've discovered more than anything else is is my passion for sound and for listening and um my ability to communicate that as well i mean i suppose i've been very i've been honored and humbled to to do these ted talks and get i don't know how many tens of millions of views now i mean but that, that, that's important to me because that number of people i mean i think ted ted would say something like 80 or 90 million people have seen the talks in total uh, and that's i don't know is that one percent of the world's population i think it is that's a lot of people and there's a ripple effect you know so if all those people are starting to listen better in their families and in their work and so forth hopefully 
there's a ripple going on out there. And I don't know what the critical mass is, but I would love to live in a world where everybody's listening. Uh, we've seen a fair bit over the last few years of what happens when people don't listen to each other, you know, right up to the point of, you know, if I don't agree with you, I kill you. And, mm. and that that's, you know, that that's the end point of this slippery slope of polarization and um, depersonalization and bigotry and hatred and so forth. That all comes from not listening to people. If you listen to somebody, you'll understand and you can live in peaceful coexistence, even if you disagree with them. I think Barack Obama said, I like to listen to people, especially when I disagree with them. And that's a great thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And not necessarily related to what we've been talking about today, Julian, but is there any other tips or suggestions that you think be worth sharing with, with the listeners? Uh, yes. Breathing is very important too. Um, I mean, you mentioned interrupting earlier, and I think that is an unfortunate habit it doesn't work very well for salespeople, in my experience. Um, but, you know, if anybody out there either has a habit of interrupting or gets nervous before big presentations and finds their voice a little bit like this, breathing, breathing, breathing. Your voice is only breath. And it's a great thing to start breathing exercises and to get to, in, in, in contact with your lungs and resonate from the chest and understand that you can achieve amazing changes in your voice if you start to learn how to breathe effectively. Taking a deep breath before you speak as a habit is very good for interrupters because while you're taking that deep breath, you might just realize, oh, the other person's still talking. It's also a wonderful thing to do as you walk on stage or stand up in front of a room full of people because a deep breath will quell the nerves it's the best antidote to nerves and it also stops that fluttering voice you know, because it's it really settles your voice down and it gives you the fuel to speak much more powerfully so yeah breathing second only to listening i think breathing i mean it sounds obvious we all have to breathe but most of us breathe like birds you know just tiny little breaths all day really yeah. getting in contact with breathing is is tremendous Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Julian. It's been a, a real honour listening to what you've had to share and, and some of the stories you've shared as well. My pleasure. And for the for the listeners who want to, you know, stay on track of an update of what's going on in your world, how can they find you um, other than looking on TED, for example? Yes, well, the, the TED Talks are all there. I've got a website, juliantreasure.com. And on there, you can find out more about, you know, I, I go around the world talking about these things to at conferences and for companies and so forth uh, who want to listen better or speak more powerfully. Um, and the book, well, the book is, I'm, I'm really pleased with the book. I mean, I put everything I know into that book um, mm. and uh, I've had lots of nice comments back about it. The audio book actually just won the award in Los Angeles for best business audio book. Uh, which is quite chuffing as well, because I read it. So, yeah, I'm pretty pleased about that. So, yeah, if you, I mean, the book has its own website, howtobeheardbook.com, but also you can get to it through juliantreasure.com, and it's available on all the usual, um, you know, online bookstores and so forth. So, yeah, have a look at the book. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again, Julian, and for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey people, thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. 
If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, not another sales guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing not another sales podcast. And also, if you want to connect to me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.